Welcome to Vate Village, the podcast for the Victorian Association for the Teaching of English. My name's Ernest Price and I'm the Education Officer at Vate. We use this podcast feed to spark discussion and connection within our community. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Boomerang people of the Kulin Nation, on whose land I am recording today. I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and to extend a welcome to any First Nations people with us today. This episode, we're looking at some of the workshops available at the Vate State Conference. In particular, we're looking at the writing stream, which will be running in the afternoon of Saturday, October the 3rd. First up, we'll hear from Dr. Lucinda McKnight, an academic at Deakin University and a longtime member of the Vate community. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special episode of the Vate Village, where we are very lucky to have with us today Dr. Lucinda McKnight from Deakin University. Um, as part of this series, we are unpacking some of the wonderful workshops that are available to you online as part of the 2020 Vate State Conference coming up on Saturday, October the 3rd the online workshops anyway. And um, Lucinda's here with us today to talk about her workshop. And I love the provocative title of this workshop, Writing Our Way Out of Victoria's Paragraph Crisis. I just, I really love the possibilities in this session to really get into some deep discussion about exactly what is going on with these paragraph wars you're alluding to. What what are we talking about here? Okay, thanks, Ernest. I really hope that teachers will be able to relate to this idea of the paragraph wars or a paragraph crisis because um, it's something that I know that that they are talking about themselves. And so in in answer to the question of what are the paragraph wars, firstly, I just wanted to read out something that a teacher told me when I was doing a little research project for VATE um, a, a year or so ago now. At a year seven level, we say it's topic, sentence, evidence, explanation, link. That's where it starts. In year 12, I feel like that's Diamie's kids. I feel like a lot of kids don't graduate from that structure and that structure is a really basic structure. You find really clunky use of evidence like, I've made a point, now I've got my evidence, so therefore you can see that my point is correct. But I'm not, yeah, um, I don't know, um, having some reservations about the old teal. So the idea of the paragraph wars comes partly at least from teachers who have been saying to me that they are struggling themselves with this being the highest expectation that we have of our students in Victoria, that they can write paragraphs in this very formulaic sort of way. So there's a kind of internal struggle between, oh, I know teal can be really helpful for some students with, oh, I know it really sort of crushes others. So where do we go with that? Then also, I know from pre-service teachers who come back from their placements that, that there are wars in schools about teal and what the different letters even stand for in it. Does L mean link back to the topic? Does it mean link on to the next paragraph? So there's that. Um, and then there are also things happening, like, for example, we hear about teal being forced on everyone in the school, that everyone in the school has to write using teal, including all the administrative staff, that no paragraph must be written without it, or that all creative writing, too, has to be um, created with teal. Wow, I haven't heard that one. That's... that's a... <laughs> yeah, creative writing to be done that way, um, even right up to BCE. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Ernest, I know I'm talking a lot, but just one more thing to say. There's... This all big, big 
a question too over the social justice aspect of Teal because I know that Teal is banned at many private schools which have higher expectations for their students. And therefore, it, you know, it's a social justice issue. Some students are being taught to compose paragraphs, to make writerly choices and to develop themselves as writers. Other students are just being told Teal is what to do and this is, this is how you should write. So there's a huge difference between composition and compliance and what education's actually for. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the broad ramifications, I think, you know, teachers who might approach Teal, as you said, as a, as a scaffold, as a tool for students at a certain stage of their development as writers, perhaps don't foresee um, these sort of complications and ongoing ramifications that you're talking about, um, which is why I love the way you framed this session within that statewide context, um, because I think, you know, you can be in your classroom with students making certain decisions in the moment um, about your instruction that don't necessarily have an understanding of that broader context, which I think is really important and something that a session like yours can provide. Yeah, that's right. So the state thing's really interesting because at the point when Vate asked me if I would do a masterclass for this conference, I had just received an email from someone who was telling me about a Victorian teacher who'd written a chapter for a national textbook um, on paragraphing and it had to be rejected because all that teacher knew how to do was teal. And that is just, you know, simply not what writing paragraphs is all about anyway, even if it can be useful in certain situations. And... Um, I thought that was really interesting and it reminded me too of how when I started teaching a long time ago, 1990 I think it was my first year, we had a year seven textbook that really explicitly said that topic sentences could go anywhere in paragraphs. Mm -hmm. So here, and that was a very widely used national English, mainstream English textbook. So we've gone from 1990 where that was the case to 2020 where we have teal almost as a sort of a straitjacket on so many people, teachers and so many kids in schools. We know that teachers think potentially that they're meant to teach that way. And now with pre-service teachers, we're seeing people who are coming through, that's all they've been taught themselves in schools. That's the only way they know how to write. So how do they you know, teach students with broader kinds of pedagogies? And that's what the masterclass will really look at. Fantastic. I love the possibilities of that. So um, what can people expect from this session? Yeah, you've, I guess you've sort of answered that question a little already um, in terms of the framing of the question as well as perhaps some alternative possibilities um, for the way forward in terms of... of well, program. if they're deeply wedded to teal, they can expect to be shocked. <laughs> shocked. So I'll show you something shocking right now. I'm going to share my screen. Fantastic. Here we go. This is a paragraph that does not use teal. Now, this comes from a, a published essay um, by Anna Goldsworthy called Unfinished Business, Sex, Freedom and Misogyny. And I'd just like to read it out to everyone. On the surface, this might sound like a sound point. It is still accepted that the cruelest insult a woman can receive is one that impugns her appearance. Hence the silencing power of fat and ugly. Tanya Plebisek remembers being rebuked while campaigning for having a fat face. I had no emotional response to it at all. I just didn't care whether he thought I was fat or not, but I thought it was a really unusual criticism. I mean, if he talked to me about letting down my electorate, if he talked to me about a policy issue I cared about, it would have had much greater impact on me than an insult about how I looked. Okay. 
So firstly, I just want to briefly say, look at the first sentence. On the surface, this might sound like a sound point. It starts with the L. It starts with the link moving from the previous paragraph. So immediately in this published paragraph, and we know that the vast majority of published paragraphs do not use teal, you know, the writer has made the decision, I want a link here from my previous paragraph. So are we on lit? Are we going to work backwards and have the topic sentence at the end? No, because look, the writer wants to end with what Tanya Plebisek says because it's more powerful than anything the writer could add. Do we want a topic sentence added on to the end of this? This shows that Tanya Plebisek cares more about policy than she does about her looks. That would weaken the paragraph. So there you go. So in the workshop, we'll actually look at some paragraphs, deeply shock people who believe every paragraph is written with teal, and then we will actually be doing some writing. And I just want to say too, that here's the, this is the, this, when, I, um, when I was first thinking about teal and paragraphs, I just thought, right, I'm going to turn around to my bookshelf, I'm going to grab a book down, a book of essays, actual published essays, and I'm going to see if this uses teal. And it definitely does not. I don't think I could find a teal example when I look through it. <laughs> But pre-service teachers and people at uni in other subjects that I teach come to me and say things that make me feel so depressed, like, what should my topic sentence be for my first body paragraph? Or what should my three ideas be for my three uh, body paragraphs in a 2,500-word essay? And you can just see, I, you know, I hope, I hope you can, you can it, teachers listening out there can understand how what's taught in school does not service students well for university. So our first task in uh, English method is for students to uh, write a welcome to my writing classroom uh, piece or not write or create. So they might be doing a YouTube video, they might be doing a tour of a classroom, they might be building a physical virtual classroom, um, actual, actual classroom or designing a virtual one. They might be doing an imaginary, a play dialogue between two teachers about writing. Being taught to write teal paragraphs for formulaic text response and analysis essays does not support them in the real world. So I, I really powerfully argue that and I can give loads of examples of it. So we'll be talking about that too in the workshop. So yeah, I hope, I hope that will whet people's appetites. Do you think it will, Ernest? Absolutely. I love it. And as I said, right at, at, right at the top of this discussion, I think that provocative title really feeds um, some deep thinking that needs to happen about how we actually teach writing in secondary schools. And I think um, this session uh, at the state conference would be a great starting point for some of those really robust discussions. And I know our members are hungry for them. Um, I think we've had a lot of members participating in our Beyond Teal um, series of professional learning online during the remote learning period and I think that says to me that people are really ready for this discussion so please come along uh, to the state conference if you want to register for Lucinda's workshop um, jump on the VAPE website and follow the registration process from there we hope to see you at the state conference Next up, we'll hear from the leader of the other workshop in the writing stream, Narelle Wood, who is working on a PhD focusing on English teacher understanding of creativity and creative practices.
Hello, Vape Village, and welcome to this special edition of our podcast. Uh, we are, of course, giving you a little preview of what is going to be available uh, to you for our online state conference this year coming up in October. Today, we're going to talk about one of the wonderful live workshop sessions that will be happening online on Saturday, the 3rd of October. So I have here Narelle Wood with me, who's running one of those workshops, um, and the title I'm making sure I read everybody's titles so I get them word perfect. The title of your session is Deconstructing Genre, Rebuilding Writing. What inspired you to propose this session for conference? So a lot of the work that I've been doing with pre-service teachers, but also in working with students in classrooms and things like that is um, around genre and the rules of genre. And this belief that the rules are hard and fast, you can't break them. Um, and you end up with this really structured formulaic writing. And one of the things that started playing with is how we might use different genres as frameworks or models, deconstruct what was happening in the genre and looking at the conventions and then using them to rebuild our own writing, making deliberate choices, but also then um, having the options to subvert or leave out conventions depending on what we want to um, play with. And I think that's the whole idea is that experimenting with writing and with conventions for purpose rather than seeing them as something that's really constraining. I love the idea of exploring this with students in the classroom because I think we've probably all been in that position, particularly with junior secondary writers who are essentially mimicking um, what they've read. And so I love the richness of what you're, you're proposing here in terms of exploring and, and sort of pushing them, giving them new options that they don't know they have. Yeah, and a lot of the rules we teach them is about skill building. So um, the wow word or the sophisticated vocabulary are really useful in extending students' vocabulary and, and again, playing with words. And, but, but giving them the options to play with what their words they're choosing for effect and that sometimes big is exactly the word you want to use because you want your emphasis to be elsewhere or... Um, that while you might want to describe size, it's not really significant to the story. So you want the reader just to move on. It's really um, interesting listening to you talk about this session because a couple of teachers have mentioned to me that the only thing they've actually been able to really engage young people with during this remote learning period has actually been creative writing. Um, why do you think that might be? It's a, it kind of struck me as odd because sometimes it can be so hard to coax young people into writing. I, I don't know. I'm putting you right on the spot here. but yeah. um, Well, for me, because I, I have been doing um, creative writing myself mm -hmm. in short bursts, not long mm -hmm. things, um, is that ability just to switch mind off and use it as an, mm -hmm. a form of escape. Um, and I guess for um, maybe for some young people that, ability to reconstruct worlds or reconstruct characters Absolutely. as a way out of being confined in their home and only allowed out for an hour a day and those sorts of, of things. But it's, it's really interesting that they're finding what is often associated with freedom of creative writing mm -hmm. that's usually quite, um, yeah. And maybe also they've got the time perhaps yeah that's interesting to think it through ideas and yeah and if they're not doing um necessarily sort of synchronous classes they might you know because that's always one of the problems when you're trying to force young people to be creative in this exact 45 minute block yeah. uh, that's really interesting um i also um think with your session you've actually preempted our uh writing competition theme for 2021 
um, the theme is going to be stories that change, um, inspired partially um, by the social movements around the world, but also because we want young people um, to really feel confident to mess with some of those conventions of the genres they're writing in. So I love it. I'd really encourage people oh, uh, to right. come along um, to your session at conference um, to really start to explore some of those ideas. I think certainly in my experience, myself teaching and, and talking to many people in schools, and it's an area that teachers often don't feel particularly confident um, with. So I'd really encourage people to jump on the VATE website and register for your session at conference because I think it's going to give them uh, sort of real pause for thought about how they can approach all of this um, in the coming months and years. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate no it. Problems. Thank you again to Lucinda and Narelle for their time in preparing this episode of the podcast. As I've said throughout the episode, if you're interested in registering for the conference, jump on the VATE website for all the information. As always, please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast on your provider and connect with us through social media or email. My address is educationofficer at vate.org.au. Thank you for listening and please stay safe.